This podcast is a Bendigedig Media production. Hi, I'm David Cottrell, and you are listening to a Touchline Rant podcast. Episode 154 of a Touchline Rant podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Luke. This week, all four of us were on. It was myself, Alex, Jordan, and Mitch. Back once again, um, we looked at Liverpool. We asked, are they untouchable uh, as their early dominance? Uh, just a sign that they haven't actually left, you know, sort of finished where they left off last season. It's just a continuation of dominance. Um, we looked at Arsenal and why, despite the loss to the aforementioned Liverpool, we shouldn't really be down in the, you know, mouth about them. And they, they, there's a lot more positives to Arsenal than people seem to be wanting to acknowledge. Uh, we looked at Chelsea and why, sorry, and asked... Is Frank Lampard under pressure already? Would he get more time if he wasn't a club legend, if he wasn't English? And all these sort of topics. We looked at if Sheffield United are currently having a second season syndrome. And we asked if Fulham are already doomed uh, to relegation. Um, I'll leave it there for now. Just want to say thank you very much to Bendy Geddig Media, our producers. And don't forget to go follow us on, a, on social media at a Touchline Rant everywhere you get your podcasts. Music. Right, this is episode 154. Uh, my name's Luke. I'm joined today by Mr. Alex Skinner. Hello. Mr. Jordan Lloyd. Hello. And Mr. Mitchell Gad. Hello. From another continent, that voice was. Another continent. Right. Um, right, this week then, there's a few topics that we're going to discuss. We're going to start with... What should we start with? Right, let's start with Chelsea, I think. Um Oh. Okay. Mitch, do you think that Lampard's now uh, under a bit of pressure, probably for his first time in his Chelsea managerial career? I, I do, actually. Um, I think there's a lot of expectation, a lot of excitement, really, um, with the players they brought in over the last couple of months. Uh, and then, um, obviously, he had a good first season. Uh, and people could see, uh, it's quite strange really with Frank, because you could see initially what he was trying to do, bringing on a couple of the, the younger players, giving chances to people like Mount and Abraham. Yeah. And then he almost sort of changed a little bit, changed changed the approach, because people thought that, you know, Hudson Odoi, people would get their chances under Frank. And now he's suddenly gone gangbusters on the old checkbook. And um, and the, the the moment you do that, I think it does bring some pressure. I do think he's got a bit of um, he's got obviously a lot of loyalty um, and goodwill in the bank with the Chelsea fans from his playing career. So I, I think that that will help him, but almost from other fans because then you you suddenly get the the kind of groundswell of comments from other supporters that say, well, hang on, he spent over two hundred million here on players. Um, you know, it's not just about you know, progress and getting into the top four, yeah. you know, and, and he's, he himself has actually said, I've not come to Chelsea 
to just get in the top four. Uh, I want us competing. Players that you've brought in have said that it's part of a project to compete for championships. So all that does create pressure. So I do, I do think there's there's pressure, particularly when you can kind of see the frailties in the goalkeeper and um, position and the defence. When you can actually see that there's real significant areas of weakness there. Yeah. I think there is a pressure to sort that out. So I do think he's under pressure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jordan, do you think the same as Mitch? Do you think it's sort of he's now getting proper stick for the first time? And do you think that if it carries on the way that it is uh, with the amount of pressure, do you think Abramovich will stick with him just because he's Frank Lampard? I agree with Mitch. Yes, I agree. I think last season, because of a transfer embargo, he was given the job, basically, let's see how this Chelsea legend does, and it's a free hit. Personally, I don't think it's also been made a lot of that. I don't think a lot of other managers would have taken that job last year. No. As well as it being a big opportunity and a big move for him, I don't think with no money, a lot of people would have gone and taken that job. I think he did pretty well last season. However, as Mitch said, this year he's talking about now, oh, I'm not here to finish in the top four. And he's shown that he's gone out and he spent £200 million. He's tried to address positions he thought they were weak in. Last year, they finished 33 points behind Liverpool. So they have now got to make up 33 points. So for me, when you see the results against teams like West Brom, where you think these £200 million worth of signing were supposed to turn draws like that they had last season into wins, and yes, I do think he's under pressure. I also think now he's signed a goalkeeper and he's not got excuses there and he's got a centre-half in silver and all these players are one of the best on-paper squads in the league. I think now we need to start seeing Frank Lampard coaching. Will he make these players better? Can he pick a tactical system? Um, so far this season, it's not looked great. It's early, but when you spend that kind of money and you've got an owner who does change managers, then yes, I do think he's under pressure. And if they don't bounce back from this draw against West Brom with three or four wins on the trot, I think in a month's time, he is going to be in a very, very precarious situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, skin. Right. One which I need it. Which I think I know the way that you're going to go with this. But do you think Frank Lampard would be getting more stick if he wasn't English? I think right now Chelsea just need two positives. I think West Brom, the West Brom, they caught them with their trousers down a little bit in the first half. Uh, and all they need, look, they just need to settle a little bit. It's all brand new. Let's, let's, let's calm down from knee jerking around here. Yeah? yeah, no, I agree. Let's give it a bit more time. But I must say that Frank Lampard will and has been given more time than many other managers who. Uh, it, it just it just wouldn't stand. So this is a huge huge project, a huge undertaking. Massive amounts of money have been taken, and it's an, it's just a new squad, and everything's in 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 transition right now. So look, we don't want to we don't want to knee jerk our, our way around this. They're, they, they've got a, a very powerful squad if they put put it together. And Frank is well, I think he's the one who's got the most time to do it. Um, avoiding anything like, I don't know, the, the current situation, like you said, the goalkeepers at Chelsea, which is an, an, an issue. Um, it just needs to settle a little bit. And uh, yeah, there's there's really good players in that squad. But 
Also, that last that last draw, the three all. Yeah. West Brom need a bit more credit mm-hmm. to their name because no they probably caught them short. No, they just said no one said a goddamn thing. But also, I think that that result, I think you actually need to give Chelsea a bit more credit as well because they were they were down three 0 and yeah, they're a great squad, but they came back from three 0 down, and that's no easy thing to do. I think the I think the other, the thing with that with that is how they react from there. If then they go on and they take that into the next game, and suddenly they've they've turned around a three 0 deficit. And, and like I suppose looking at West Brom, who knows? You know, West Brom. Okay, they 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 lost badly at home to Leicester on the first game, game of the season, but who knows how competitive they'll be and how good a comeback that will look at the end of the season. But if Chelsea suddenly turn around in the next couple of games and win the next couple. Then mm. coming back from three nil down may maybe the sort of it may be that that three nil down in the trenches it might be it might have galvanised them and if it does then you know fair play you can look back at that and say it was a hard point one one in the end they not two points dropped but it's how they react from zero. No, I think there's potentially bigger issues like bigger issues with other teams like we look at Man City their penalty weakness and their defensive frailties. That, that's, that's, I, I find that to be potentially more disruptive than this new team of Chelsea bedding in. The the thing with Man City's defensive thing is it's it's. I was watching the video for the for the Madison goal, and obviously it was it's a great goal that Madison goal. But if you watch City's defense, there's one point where I believe it's Kyle Walker motions to take the Leicester player down the line, but there's no one there, so I don't know who he's motioning to because there's no one who can overlap. So Kyle Walker goes in on the ball. And then two passes later, Madison's got acres of space. Like their defense, I don't understand how it's in the shape it is, but I think you're right. Um, I've never seen so many penalties this like the first so the first part of the season. No, it's, I've never seen so many. It's um, talking about penalties. Then let's move. Should we move on to mm. the next team? If we nice like, segue. Yeah, let's talk Good. Liverpool with Mo Salah and his. Uh, never-ending penalty wins that he seems to get a lot of. Um, uh, Jordan... Uh, Arsenal's still, Arsenal still competed in that game. Sorry, I'm jumping again here. Go on, Jordan. Jordan, are <laughs> Liverpool untouchable right now? Um, no, I don't think anybody's untouchable as, as we discussed briefly last week. I'm sure we'll discuss more today that this start of this season seems to be the maddest out there season that we've seen to date at this stage. Everybody's eating, beating everybody. There is four or five teams scoring four or five goals a game. No consistency at home and away. Um, so I don't think they're untouchable. However, that being said, they certainly look to be on top form. I thought the first game against Leeds, they looked a bit ropey, especially at the back. However, since then, They've pushed on, and I actually thought against Arsenal, it it was that Arsenal were very good, but Liverpool, which they, Arsenal just caught them on a day where Liverpool were bang on it, and these options from the bench now that Klopp has strengthened with really makes them a quite a terrifying prospect. So I don't think they're untouchable. However, after ten games, they could well be a good few points away from everybody, and if that's the case, then they'll steamroll it. If they've got a bit of competition, just giving them a nudge a bit more than they did last season, and we actually put a crank a bit of pressure on them. And who knows? Because uh, this could be a tricky one to win this season, and I think it'll be a lot lower points tally. But 
No, I don't believe they're untouchable, but I do believe they're very, very, very good. Indeed. Yeah. Um, right, Skinner, as you then said, um, Arsenal. Now, I... the Arsenal game just showed they can they're still able to compete. And it's 2 1. It's not they're blown out the oh, 3 1, sorry, the Diego Yoto goal at the end. But they weren't blown out the water by them necessarily. And like it, it could have been a knife edge with a couple of chances. Um, they're, they're looking great, but I think the power comes from how strong they are at the back. That system they've got with a VVD, a ball playing centre back, who can just seem to do it all when he brings his A game. The, the way that, that that back line functions it is delicious. Yeah. It's, it's... So, like, they could potentially, if they keep consistency, which they are known to do, I think that who, who, can pretend, who can possibly stop them? Can you imagine if, remember when Man City were interested in company as well? Imagine if they'd signed company instead of Liverpool. I was always looking at that City result and just like, if they had a Vincent company at the back, they wouldn't be in this mess because they had, uh, not Vincent company, sorry, Vir- uh, Virgil van Dijk. Because they haven't got that at the back. <laughs> they haven't got that at the back at all, especially when Laporte's out. Um, I think he's transformed what it is to be a, um, what, what a good defence is. I think Virgil van Dijk has created, taken that position to the next level and everyone in the world and everyone in Europe is just looking at him willingly, fluttering their eyelashes, thinking, I want that. I really want that. He's adapted the quickest. We've all said for a while, tackling is dead. But then if, if everyone's been saying that for a couple of years, then why haven't these defenders now adapted? Virgil van Dijk has. So all these world-class centre-halves that everybody's talking about in the world, they're not because pundits just go now, oh, it's a dying art, it's a dying art. Well, if it's a dying art, then these defenders need to adapt to it. And van Dijk has done that. And that's why he looks so good and the best in the world, because he's changed his game, he's adapted his game to make sure he's the best of this new type of defender where you play out from the back, you make blocks, and you try to score some headers from corners. That is the new defender. And he is out there by a mile as the best of the world. Yeah, I can't think especially, especially with passing stats. Yeah, I, passing stats. He blows everyone else on the water. He's gonna. He's he's almost. He reminds me of players like Edgar Davids, you know. But it's sort of towards the tail end of his career, or Pirlo towards the end of his career, whose job was just like play that. He plays the ball like a centre mid. Like he's superb. He wins the ball when he goes. He's just as good when his head's up, and he makes those runs forward. He's intimidating. You know, you think that's why Chelsea brought Thiago Silva. Sorry, skin it gone. Do you think that's why Chelsea bought Thiago Silva to have like a ball playing centre back? Yeah, potentially. Mm, the, the criticism of Thiago Silva has been horrendous. Mitch, what do you think? The criticism of Silva? Yeah. I think he's. I think yeah. It's, it's very yeah. Going back to a Skinner phrase, it's very knee knee jerk, and I felt I felt pretty sorry for him. He's, actually, he's but, just had an incredibly um, good Champions League campaign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Short memories. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do. I mean, I think I think that he'll still prove quality. Um, I'd be very surprised if if that's the continuing trend. I, I think he'll. It was a bit of a um, <laughs> a bit of an introduction for him, but yeah, yeah, I think. Do you yeah, think hanging him, put him, putting him as captain by Lampard, just hanging him out to dry a bit? I think that that I felt sorry for Silva because I, I thought Lampard stitched him up. To be honest, yeah, it's a I thought, point to be I, made, very yeah. I thought that yeah. was a poor move making him captain on his debut away from home, and he, he can't speak English to do his team talk. He let him settle for a bit. I just I thought that was poor management personally. I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, but 
it's the thing that you get it's taking it back to Arsenal as well is that they do you think Arsenal are now a lot closer to where they need to be at the back because they look they, I know they just conceded three goals but I they were they don't look frail at the back in any way shape or form they look a lot more together at the back than Spurs do and United do and Man City do Arsenal look quite solid I was thinking about this recently and I was thinking how uh, it's quite recent in recent time the playing out the back become fashionable, right? Do you think it, this is a pep thing a couple of seasons ago, which no one has actually seen, but now it's a trend, which yeah. makes sense if you if you pursue it. There's no lump in it for, like forward from, from the goal kicks. This, this structured, new, finessed way of keeping possession and just transformed what we know to be a possession-based game. Now, it's high-risk, high-reward, like we see with, with Arsenal. What, what uh, Arteta's done is made it so they don't panic. They could have easily just thrown it aside if it wasn't working, but they stuck with it because they reap the rewards if they catch teams on the counter to make that space as we see with Aubameyang. So it's, it's quite a, a it's this modern football, gentlemen, and we've seen it develop. Uh, and I think having a settled back line where you can actually pass it around with confidence is the new black. Okay, talking right, moving it along then, talking about I like that. Talking about um playing it out from the back as defenders. Let's move along to Sheffield United, who have a lot of defenders last season who would like enjoy playing it out from the back. Um is this second season syndrome from Sheffield United, George? Does that mean Seth is yeah. a George? No, not George. It's not George. George, uh, we'll see what George thinks. We'll add him to the convo. Uh, is it second season syndrome? No, not yet. No, it's just a slow start. It's easy to say. The thing is, everyone's waiting for second season syndrome, aren't they? The minute a team in their second season lose, it's like, here we go. They've been found out. They're banging in trouble. And it, it's a bit annoying. Uh, we had it last year uh, when we had a slow start and Sheffield United are getting it now. No, I, it's just... It's just not a great start. If you look at it, though, they played Wolves' first game of the season, good two in the first six minutes. Apart from that, Sheffield United probably the better team in that game. Uh, Villa, they had a red card and they missed a penalty. Yeah. So that changes a game. And the Leeds one, it was a late Bamford goal. Leeds were the better side. However, could well have ended nil-nil. So if you look at it, this zero points could easily be five or six points, bar a bit of bad luck. Um no, I don't think it's second season syndrome. However, their fixture list for the coming weeks doesn't make great reading. I believe they've got, in the next four, they've got Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City. And then they play Chelsea. So four of the next five of those teams. So wow. they're going to need to drag some points out from somewhere. And otherwise, I change my mind. And then, yeah, it is if they lose them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mitch. Do you think okay. what do you think with Sheffield United? Then is it is it literally just they've been unlucky? Do you think they just had luck go against them, or do you think there's bigger issues? The, I, I think I think it's a bit of both. I mean, you, you, I, they have they have been a bit unlucky with the Villa game and this very good penalty save. Could have easily got the points there. Could have gone either way. Late goal, and it's a derby as well. You know, against Leeds, there's always form books and everything often go out the window with those things. 
But um, I'm always reluctant, like George was saying, <laughs> that you can um, second season syndrome. It's, it's like an easy, it's a, it's a it's a lazy label, isn't it? But I think if we look at their squad, I, I am worried about them a little bit this season. Um, not because it's their second season, but I think it's a squad that's very thin. And you're they, what they relied on last season, they had a pretty settled team. Um, you've now got a situation where there's been barely any break. When we came back from lockdown, there was um, they they struggled a little bit. They lost their and they had the fight, good result. Yeah, yeah, and they they dropped and they they tailed off a little bit, which we all kind of expected. But then you've got a situation where there's a very short turnaround, and I do worry that with a thin squad. Um, that they that they'll struggle, uh, and I, I think you know the fixtures that we touched on coming up as well. It becomes very difficult then. The, the the league is so competitive, and you start to think, well, yeah, you've been unlucky against a couple of teams where it could have gone either way, but then you lose against the big boys, and suddenly you're playing catch up. So I, I do I do worry for them this season. I hope they I hope they turn it around because they were a revelation last year. But yeah, I am concerned for them this year. Um, Skinner, goalkeeper question for you. How much of an impact do you think Dean Henderson leaving has had on Sheffield United? I thought you were just going to ask me the same question. Then I would have said, in short, no, <laughs> basically. And then I would have got on to, without Dean Henderson, settling and shoring that up is a massive impact. And I just think it is tremendously unsettled, as well as ageing defenders as well. I just, uh, I think they're going to struggle. But it's, you can't write them off. Come on. This is going to be the strangest season ever. Yeah, it already is. It's. I just think that Dean Henderson factor. I think a lot, not a lot's been said. I think he should have stayed there another year because I don't think he's going to get a sniff, and I don't think no. his, his time Skinner. is quite right. I, yeah, as a big member of the goalkeepers' union, where does Ramsdale yeah. sit in there? Does it, we don't really talk about Ramsdale's ability. Where, where does he? Uh, uh, tell me how good he is. I don't want. I don't, I don't want to slag off. I don't want to slag off goalkeepers. Do it. However, <laughs> however, I think I think Ramsdale is not quite there yet. It, I, I understandably is there's a, quite a lot of buzz about him, but he shouldn't be at this level. With 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 him at the back there in that team, he's not dominant enough, and he needs more time. I would put him in a championship team for another season or two for stepping up. I think this well, is just a bit a bit too too much for him where you consider and contrast even if you go statistically from this season how he stacks up between him and Henderson and what Henderson actually achieved last season I think Henderson should have stayed there another season yeah I don't really rate Ramsdale right now but he's shown potential I agree completely I think Dean Henderson mm. I think he I mean personally I think he should be the starting goalkeeper already at United um because I think now it comes down to reputation with De Gea because he's purely being kept there because of his name and, and how people know how he can perform when he's at his best. But he hasn't been at his best for about three years. Um, Spanish number one. Um, yeah, he's so just, he comes with a reputation. Think, yeah, I think he's just got himself into a position where Solskjaer will think he's almost undroppable, which is dangerous. Because Dean Henderson, when he played in when he played our cup game for us, he made a number of really good saves, and he, he's a great key. I'd love to see him get a run now at, at United, um, but I think another well, year potentially in... could. But we're not going to talk about Man United. No, right we're now. not. We're we don't going to need talk. to do that. Well, I'll stay with you then, Skinner. Fulham. Hello. Are Fulham? Yes. I know your answer to this before I ask it, but the the media 
but in like outcry against Fulham has been that they're already doomed to relegation. Um, do you think that's the case? It's knee jerkers, but what we do see from from Fulham is uh, un- uncertainty and being unsettled behind the scenes. Uh, you got Khan, the apology to fans, and Pacquiao. No, hang on a minute. Let's not be knee jerkers right now. No knee jerkers. Just stick it in. No knee jerkers. <laughs> it's a strange and weird season. So I think they've caught the brunt of it. But it's all the all the all the negatives that happen when you get a a, a bad start to a season. But what we're just we've just started. Uh, there could be lots of ups, lots of downs. They could find a rhythm, but they need to do it before Christmas. Otherwise, I think Parker will probably go and fear the wrath of Khan. That is... That's, I mean, I literally don't know where to go from there. Because you've... you you've, you've, Is that Star Trek? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It is a Star Trek movie. <laughs> They've it is, yeah. It's a Star Trek. Yeah. They, that's, that's, I, I don't know where to go from there. Right, Jordan, go on then. Where, what, where do you fall on the Fulham spectrum? Because uh, I personally so yeah, think... It's... Well, Scott Parker, I think, deserves a lot more credit than he's, he's getting. Like, he went in at an awful time for Fulham when they got relegated last time. And he brought them back up against... Like, mm. I didn't think they'd come back up. Yeah. Uh, this is a tough one for me. For two... A... Wolves have got the next, and I just, I don't know anything I say, it's just going to come back to warn me. <laughs> I don't really give a toss about Fulham. Um, <laughs> so that's the Irish so, Fulham. Okay. Beautifully I, finesse. I will defend Ready. them for a bit, though. A, remember when you they went down and they set fortune? The phrase was coined doing a Fulham where you buy about 15 players, spend a load of money, and then just don't really gel them in. And that, they weren't the first team to do that. And I thought it was ridiculously harsh and they were called that. So, straight forward when Scott Parker takes them up, I think he's so scared to buy players because everyone's going to say, oh, they're doing a Fulham, that he's underbought. And yeah, it was the same squad that went down because when they were in the championship, they didn't really recruit a lot. I remember they stuck with the core of the first lot that got them up. But that lot's not good enough. It isn't. Yeah. Not being mean, the fans will say it, that it's not quite good enough. And any team that goes up, if you're going to compete, like Leeds have strengthened straight away, and they've brought in some identified some areas, and they've strengthened. I just think Fulham have kind of underspent this time based on previous failures, and I think Scott Parker deserves the chance to have a bit more of a a transfer chest to be able to bring in his style of players because he picked up the pieces when it all went wrong last time. So he does deserve more time and I think the manager, the chairman's reactions were needed. I do feel sorry for him, but are they doomed? I don't know. Am I asked? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, 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 too many years they've hogged a bit of a spot for me. And they're they're going to beat us on Sunday because I've gone in on them and good luck to them. And, you know, I hope Cavillero scores and celebrates and I hope they have a great time and we'll chat about Wolves next week. But apart from that, um, I, I clicked on their BBC page and then there's nothing on it. They're pretty cheap. Mitch, what's that? Right, go on then, Mitch. We haven't talked the championship for a while. I'm throwing an ad hoc championship round in there. Oh, no. what's, what's, Can we not? Why are, why are Cardiff City selling Callum Patterson, Mitch? Can someone explain this to me? 
Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I pro- there's probably there's probably uh, um, far more <laughs> far more qualified people to tell you the ins and outs of Cardiff City. But I'll tell you this now: I think they do need. I think they need him. They're they're, they're struggling at the moment. The only, the only win they got, lo and behold, was against us. Of course, it was at the City Ground. Every that's, year. A, that's a bank code every year. That <laughs> every year, every year. I can't believe. I think it. I want a few quid after that. <laughs> I don't know why they're. I don't know why they're. they're t- tweet us, Cardiff fans. Why do you think? Why do you think? At a touchline, right? Why do you think you're selling Callum Pass? I mean, I obviously, I know, you know, loads of friends and family back in Cardiff. You boys in Cardiff. Um, I don't count you in the friends and family category. But they. But there's a lot. But there's a lot of people saying that that Callum Patterson is one of those players where. They've got a real. They've taken a real liking to, um, not just his performances, but as a character as well. There's certain players that people, even if they're not you know, sort of homegrown, that fans just get attached to. And I think he's one of those players that has become really fond, you know, a real fond sort of player of the fans. And I, I do. I've seen all the reaction from Cardiff fans, and they're, they're getting. So I don't know because I think he's the sort of player that can. That he really made a difference in their promotion season. They're really struggling. They look devoid of ideas this season. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure why they're selling him. No. Um, well, Your guess is as good as mine. What's happening in a forest? Because <laughs> you, brother. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I, oh, dear God. Well, you have to speak up under the bus there, Mitch. We're a mess. Do you know what? I thought. I thought, listen, after last season, I came out and said, in an impassioned rant on this very programme, I said, listen, we need to stick faith with the manager because we've rolled the dice and changed the manager nearly every season for 20 years and it's not worked. And we need the players now to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we've screwed this up royally, as, the, as had the manager towards the end of the last season, and you've got to now put it right. Don't, don't end up feeling like this again. And, you know, in fairness, they're not going to end up feeling like they did last season again because they're going to be nowhere near the top of the table. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're looking over your shoulder so at the minute, mate. They, yeah, exactly. And, but to be fair, <laughs> and I think it's, now we've got a squad, right? We've got a squad of 34 players. 34 players. There's a new oh, sign in every day. I, I can't even keep track of it. You should, Honestly, if you if you did a line-up with the Forest squad now, I'd be like, who? <laughs> Who's that? I haven't got a clue. We signed him. I thought he was a shop robber, and then we signed him. You know, but honestly, we 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 need to now. We need to now start shipping people out because a massive squad in the championship. You you need like a good, decent squad. It's just too much. <laughs> what do you, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna react to bad behaviour. <laughs> but no, we we do we do need to start shipping people out because we need to settle teams. The last time we we had a massive squad and changed it every week was. Uh, Philippe Montagnier, and he was one of our worst managers I've ever seen. Never heard and, um, of him. We actually need to... Exactly. It's like Athens and Stanley all over again. You just signed him again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's playing on the weekend. Yeah. Right now, we're, we're a mess at the moment. And I, I actually think the... I thought we would be hungry for the season and the short turnaround. We think, all oh, right, we want to get back at it. You know, when you have a bad defeat, you know, a game coming around quickly is sometimes a good thing. I thought season coming around quickly would be a good thing and it's actually it could could have gone two ways and it's gone the opposite way and the hangover's carried on so yeah we're a mess in um, does anyone want to take a quick trip to good news corner again yes please please can we, we haven't been to good that, news corner yeah. in ages uh 
Neil Warnock went back to training today after testing positive for COVID, and he's back training him on the Is pitch. Is that it? Yeah. I thought you'd have a better one than that. That's good news. I mean, obviously, I'm glad he's well, but I thought you'd have something better than that. What do you mean, he's daddy? Neil Warnock's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talk about Neil Warnock. You're never going to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> offers no I've value. Just, like, I've just talked about Forest disaster, and then there's a man in Neil Warnock who was a chief, 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 chief uh, operator of that, of Cardiff coming to Forest and turning us over. And then you told me that he's well again. It's good news corner. Would you just would well, you have been happier if I told you he died? <laughs> no, I not no, I'm very, very happy as well. But I just thought I just It's just I, it's just bad news and irrelevant news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's bad news. Does it make it any better that he was wearing aviators? That deserves a, it does actually, yeah. Honest, I think they were cataract glasses. His mum's cataract, yeah. Oh, right. Has anyone got any more? Um, has anyone, yeah, I got a quick, quick responsive question here. Um, I heard the, the coin phrase today about dishonomics. Sean yeah. Dye said some very, very unsavory things about the, the, the plight of potential football. I just wanted some quick reactions from the team. Go on then. Start us <laughs> off, Skinner. Yeah, you go on. You, you, you guys are incredible. No, no, I pose. I pose a question. I pose the question. <laughs> right, George. What What do you think of Dyshonomics? Uh I don't think Dice is the most qualified man to come out with a rant about <laughs> it. To be honest, um, I also think he's he's. he's People in glass houses because Burnley are very close. If they have a bad season, they'll be one of those teams that he doesn't want help from. You know, like we shouldn't have to help others. Burnley in a couple of years wouldn't surprise you if they're doing what they are where Sunderland are with their hands out. So, yeah, disappointing because I like Dice. I like Dice the man. Um, and you know, nothing ever bad happens at Burnley, and now he's drawing negative attention to them. There's no bullying at Burnley, and now he's now he's bringing yeah. it up. Um, why is he doing that? Yeah. A man in his position come out and said that. It's a bit, you know, in the same yeah. week that Matt kicked out of the league, he says, you know, why should they get help? Well, you know, I'm sure Burnley. Um, back in back in the like I said back in the day, they were struggling, um, struggling League Two side, and yeah, it's worked out well from the pitch, but it could have easily gone the other way. So I think it's. Uh, Poor comments, a bit immature from Daishu. A bit rich, yeah. you might say, for the past few I think, George, I think you're right in that <laughs> what what you um I like that. What you saying about Burnley, it you can imagine, you know, they if they lose a few of those basically if they lose Chris Wood and then James Tarkovsky goes, which everyone seems to want to buy him at the minute. If they go, and it wouldn't surprise me if they got relegated, Burnley, at any point. Like, if they went down... You say that every year. Yeah, I do say Burnley are going to get relegated every year. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Burnley went down. And then if they get in the championships, it's hardly to get back out of. They could end up sat there struggling. And they could need help, you know, in the not-too-distant. They're hardly raking in cash, are they? And you know what? It will serve them right for asking for fifty million for James Tarkowski. I, for one, will wet myself. <laughs> that that whole side fifty million. 
Blimey, it. They'll be laughing when somebody pays it, mate. He's about 30, weren't he? <laughs> no, he's like, what is he, 27, 28? Is he? Well, I don't know. No, no, no one's going for us. We, we haven't bought him. He's <laughs> in the bench. Yeah. You've worked player number 35. I think you have signed him twice already, to be fair. <laughs> um, right. Any more for any more, gentlemen? Nah, that's it. I like that. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd just like to, to make sure we hit put. Um, Mitch Mitchell Lewis Gads Leicester chat on on here in some capacity because it's very good. If you get a chance to listen to it, it's very it's, it's very it's a very a good good rant. If you get a chance to listen to it, uh, we're going to put it into this episode, right? I've got a choice now. A choice now. It, it, it follows this the Leicester chat. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> See you next week. Thanks. <laughs> bye. bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, George. Prom gas. Natural gas you can trust. Thank you very much for listening. There you go. That's another episode in the bag. Um, thank you very much to Bendy Geddig Media, our producers, for helping to get this show out to you each and every single week. And... Just again, don't forget to go follow us on social media at a touchline rant everywhere you get your media socially. Um, we will be back again next week for God knows what. We will be back next week though, and uh, we hope you will too. Bye. The podcast you have just listened to is brought to you by Anchor. This is the only place to get all your podcast needs. If you want a warm, fuzzy podcast from all them people, then you are listening to the podcast via Anchor. It's the only place to get all that podcast juiciness and stuff. Thank you, y'all.